welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 14th of March 2010, entitled, A Mother to be Praised, Part 2. And the Bible reading is Proverbs chapter 31. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Proverbs chapter 31. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading. Of God's holy word beginning in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son? And what, the son of my womb? And what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretched out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Father, we thank you again. Lord, for this time that we can have together, for your preserved word that we have before us, for your Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us, 
Father, now we depend entirely upon you this evening. May you anoint and bring forth the words, Lord, under the power of the Holy Spirit that need to be spoken here this evening. Father, would you speak to hearts? Would you meet the needs of each one? May we be receptive to that which you have for us. For your glory, for your honor alone, in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Again, if I missed you this morning, then allow me to wish you a happy Mother's Day. We began looking at this passage this morning, and our thought was a mother to be praised. I think that I made it clear that I realized that the world has taken and secularized and commercialized something in such a way that to them all it really means is another way to make money. But what I wanted you to glean from God's Word is that mothers, wives, women of virtue are worthy of praise. God says so clearly, and we, we looked at those things this morning, and we began in verse 30 was our real emphasis there as we looked and we said we were beginning at the end because that's really the root, the foundation, the basis of everything else that happens in her life. And that was when it said, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. And that's what we looked at this morning was this fear of the Lord and the importance of the fear of the Lord, certainly for a virtuous woman, for a woman that is worthy of godly praise then we realize that it all begins with her having a fear of the Lord, and we looked at that in some detail. But as we move on this evening, we move to our second point, and that's the reality of her virtue, which is found in her life. We see the root of it. We see what it comes from. We see what it's based upon, the fear of the Lord. It either begins there or it will not begin at all. We find that as that happens, though, that what we want to look at secondly here is the reality of what that virtue is actually doing in the living out in her life. Again, I draw your attention back to verse 30 again, and it tells us there that favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Remember, we also looked in chapter 12, verse 4, and I would remind you of that passage that says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is a rottenness in his bones. I don't know if anybody's still got a mobile phone on anywhere, but we're getting some, uh, some real feedback here, and that's usually what, uh, uh, what does it. And uh, if you could just switch it off for us, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Now, we said as we looked here this morning in this Hebrew poetry, 22 verses to this point from chapter 10. There's actually two poems in chapter 21. Of course, the first about the wise king, the second about the virtuous woman, all of it is a teaching of a godly mother to her son, King Lemuel. And of course, there's a great contrast in the two poems of the woman that he's to stay away from in the first poem and the woman that is a virtuous woman that he would 
desire for a wife in the second. We find here in this passage in verse 30, there's one that has favor towards the world, but she reaps vanity that is shameful. And one that has fear towards God and reaps virtue that is praiseworthy. Now, the difference really is readily visible when we look at the lives of the women they lived in. First of all, let's look at this matter of virtue. We saw this morning the root of where it came from. Well, this virtue, the reality of her virtue can be found in the life that she lives. All these things that God teaches us about her here, they're only possible because that she's a godly woman that fears the Lord. Now, what do we mean by virtue? If this woman is a virtuous woman, what, what does that mean? What are we looking for in a virtuous woman? Well, we define the definition of the word this morning. The definition that's translated as, as, as virtuous in, in our Bibles means literally a force, a strength, something with substance, valor, virtue, excellence, worthiness. So to be virtuous speaks of a force or a strength that can be seen in the valor or the virtue that is coming forth in that which is good and righteous in a person. The virtue of this woman is clearly seen here in the life that she lives, and we see it in relation to, first of all, in verses 10 to 12, in relation to her marriage. Remember, it started out and it says, who can find a virtuous woman? She exists, but she must be found. For her price is far above rubies. It's worth more than money could buy. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. So we see the first the outworking of this virtue in this woman. The first of all, it's obvious in the relationship between her and her husband. And of course, we can say many things, but folks, the Bible is showing us here that there's absolute trust between this man and this woman. He's able to trust her. And of course, that goes into to many, many different areas because he knows without a doubt, according to verse 12, she's only out for his good. She'll only do him good, not evil, all the days of her life. He has absolute trust. And of course, that trust comes about because of the virtue that comes forth from her. Many, many, many marriages today, they end in the rocks and problems and trouble because of jealousy and pride and all those things that destroy the trust that a husband and a wife must have for each other. We see it not only in her marriage, but we see it showing forth in her behavior and the things that she does. Notice it tells us many things here, and I said this morning that I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because it's pretty self-explanatory. He says here that she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's not lazy. She's willing to get out and work with her hands and do what's necessary. She is like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maiden. She's rising earlier, earlier than the others. 
so that she can prepare and feed them, not just her family, but even the servants that work for her. She considereth the field and buyeth it, and the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She's obviously careful with the finances, and she's using them wisely. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for a household. Why? Because she's prepared for it. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it. And he delivereth girdles unto the merchant. And so there's many things that we can see. But what I want you to see here is her virtue shows, first, first of all, that virtue shows through in the kind of relationship that she has with her husband. But that virtue comes through. It's not just a word. It's not just something that is, that is a title that is hung there that she sought herself. We find here that everything about her is doing for others. It's the giving. It's doing that others' needs might be met. The virtue shows forth in her behavior, in the way that she is industrious and she works and she cares for those around her. And all of this is clear and obvious. You see, the truth is, is that so many times, it's like, I guess, you know, we've all heard, and I know you've probably heard me say it before, you know, that we talk about humility and we know that, that God hates pride. The problem with humility, as soon as you figure out you've got it, you just lost it. <laughs> we find that this, this was a truly a humble woman that is not trying to make a name for herself. You see, so many times those that are receiving the praise that their names are up in lights that are being glorified in this world is because that's exactly what they have sought to do, to make a name for themselves. But this virtuous woman, she's not making a name for herself. Her life is being spent to do the things that are necessary for her family, for those that she sees around her that are in need, the poor, for those that work for her, her husband, her focus is always upon doing for others. Not only do we see it in her behavior, but we see it in her character, that which comes from within. Notice what it says here in verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. And she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, not foolishness. We saw this morning, this whole book is about gaining wisdom. Where does that wisdom come from? Well, it begins with the fear of the Lord. And it's God's wisdom. It's only through fearing the Lord and getting to know Him that His knowledge and His wisdom can be passed on, obviously. She is a woman that, yes, she fears God because she spends time with God, and therefore that, that wisdom is being seen in the character of this woman. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. You see, on the one hand, we find that she's being industrious. We're being told all the things that she does do. But then we find here that it's not just those, those actions, that working hard and all of that, but the true character that comes from within, the whole attitude of the way that she does these things, this virtuous woman is being seen in the attitude that she has towards those around us. It's seen in her family life. 
Verse 28 and 29, we mentioned those this morning. Her children arise up and call her blessed. You know, what greater reward could any mother ever have? That's why I encouraged you this morning. I encouraged you this morning that if you hadn't, when was the last time that you said thanks to your mom? When was the last time that you told her how much you appreciated having a godly mom? Somebody that feared the Lord. Somebody that walked with the Lord. We find that this woman's children, they raised up and they praised her for who she was. Not only that, it says her husband also, and he praiseth her. Verse 29, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. I mentioned there this morning. I mean, bottom line, in our vernacular, what he's saying is there is nobody in all the world to compare to my wife. I mean, there's others that have been virtuous. There's others that have excelled, but nobody matches her. And that's the feeling, you know, and there again, we see this, this coming through. And then, of course, in her spiritual life, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Not only is she being praised by those that are there in the household with her, her husband and her children, but God Almighty says she's worthy of the praise. God Almighty says that she's worthy of that praise because she is a virtuous woman. And we find that on the one hand, that's quite an awesome picture that's painted of this woman as we see what's happening in her life and the eulogy that she's leaving behind. And that's what that last verse is all about. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. She doesn't have to make a name for herself. She doesn't have to, to make things up to make it seem like she's a great person. Bottom line, her life is being lived in such a way that the natural fruit of her life is going to be the praise of who she is. We find that that's the virtue. But we see the contrast of that, which we said again, is the natural way that this Hebrew poetry writes, the, the vanity, the reality of the vanity can be found in the life that this one lives as well. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. And we find that another thing that is often found in Hebrew poetry is a double negative and a double positive together. They're basically telling you the same thing, but they're giving you two very similar pictures to make absolutely sure that you're getting the point that there's no question about it whatsoever. You see, the outward expression of this woman can literally be gracious and charming. And she may even possess great beauty in this world's eyes in the physical sense. But in fact, the favor or the charm, if you would, it says it is deceitful. Now, that doesn't need a lot of explaining. The word is translated steepful there literally means an untruth, a sham, a falsehood, a lie, a vain, worthless thing. In other words, we find here that she is, she can absolutely just pour on the charm on the outside, but in fact, it's all just a front. There's no depth to it. There's no reality to it. We find that he also says here that the beauty is vain. Vain. It just means that it's empty, that it's something that's transitory, not permanent, that it's something that's unsatisfactory. To be vain 
is often to be excessively proud, especially when it speaks of personal appearance. A person is vain of how they look because they're a proud person. Carries with it the idea of being unsuccessful, of failing to have or unlikely to have the intended desired result. It means to be empty of substance. Remember, virtue is just the opposite. It was to have substance to it. But vanity is just the opposite. It's to be completely empty of substance. There's nothing real there. There's no substance. It's devoid of any substance or meaning. In other words, the picture we're given here is that this woman can appear so charming and so beautiful, but in reality, there's no substance to it whatsoever. It's all the external. It's all the temporal, things that are empty of anything with any meaning to it whatsoever. She's seeking the favor or approval of others, not of God. She's wanting to look good in the eyes of the people around her and the world around her, not in the eyes of God. She wants to impress people. You see, pride and vanity, when you study it out in God's Word, they always go hand in hand with each other. True virtue, it deserves respect and affection. But this charm and beauty of the flesh says they're just worthless in the real scope of things. Now, I don't want you to think that in any way that I'm saying that God said you have to be ugly in order to be godly. <laughs> that you got to be rude and just not have any charm to you whatsoever in order to, to be walking with God. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying that it's that which comes from within, from a genuine fear of the Lord, true godliness that is worthy of praise not something that's artificial, not something that's put on, no matter how well and how great and how fantastic that it might look to the world around us. It's worthless. That's not a virtuous woman. And of course, this son by his mother is being warned, that's not the kind of woman that you need. That's not the kind of woman that you want for a wife and for the mother of your children. Some of you have heard me say before, and I I say it with light humor. In other words, well, Horace Harris was a pastor that I grew up with as a, as a little child. And I can remember as a, I don't know, I, I was probably before I even reached my teens. And he was preaching on a passage we're going to look here in just a minute in 1 Timothy. And he's talking about it, and he's, and he's looking, and he's saying, Now, ladies, you know, God's not trying to glory in your ugliness. He says, you, you can take an old barn out there and you can put a fresh coat of paint on it and you can make it look so much better, but you don't have to paint it bright red. And, you know, that's kind of the picture that God's getting. This woman, she's painting it bright red, in other words. It's all for show. It's far beyond anything that's real. You see, we need to realize we get caught in a trap. And if we don't think that our minds are worked upon... <laughs> We don't think that all of this advertising, you know, 
there is a very good reason why these companies spend thousands and hundreds of thousands of pounds to put out there those billboards and to flash those advertisements, advertisements across the TV and, and to put them on. There's a very good reason because it has an effect upon you and how you spend your money and how you think about things. We find that so many times the more subtle that it can be, the better. But it's there to grab you. There's a big difference in most cases in the beauty that is found in a virtuous woman, in a truly godly woman, and what the world sees as beauty. You see, when we begin to dress and attire ourselves to attract attention, when we begin to put on the makeup, I hope you don't men, and the jewelry to attract attention. You'll definitely attract my attention if you come in, men, with your lipstick on, but the truth is, when you begin to do those things to attract man's attention, to attract people's attention, then those things are based on pride, and it's just downright evil, and it's plain sinful. Now look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Two verses there, verses 9 and 10. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Now, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 because I want you to understand the context of what's being said here because so many times we can look at a verse and we can read a verse and we can grab that that's there, but, but we don't grasp the whole context. I want you to see the whole picture. See, he begins in verse 1 there, Paul writing to young Timothy, the preacher. He says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And then notice in that context, he says in verse 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel and shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, I want to tell you, me or any other preacher, I can get in big-time trouble real, real quick here. Because women take it real serious about how they dress and how they look. Amen? <laughs> but I want you to notice, this is vital. This is important. Note that if you read this verse in context, with the verses that are before it in this chapter, the emphasis 
is upon us living and praying in such a way that men and women around us are being brought to Christ. We've got to recognize that we can go out and talk the Christian talk and the Christian lingo all day long. But if we're not living like it, if we're not dressing like it, then it's absolutely worthless. And he's showing us here that it's vitally important in this matter of winning the lost to Christ, who Christ gave himself for, that all men might be saved. We find that it's in that context that he says we ought to be careful about how we dress and how we look. He says, first of all, that they adorn themselves in modest apparel. You know what that word adorn means? It literally means to arrange yourself, <laughs> to put yourself together is what the word means. We find that in actual fact here, this woman is putting herself together. She's making ready, he says, in modest apparel. Modest. Whole list of words there. It means orderly, decorous, seemly, respectable, dignified, of good behavior, a godly woman, a virtuous woman, is to arrange herself, to make herself ready in an orderly, respectable, dignified manner that properly reflects a chaste and virtuous heart from within. We can talk about how much we love God and that God loves within us, but if the way that we're dressing and appearing before other people shows something totally different, then it's a complete waste that they might adorn themselves in modest apparel. If it's drawing attention to your flesh, to your body, it's not modest. It's just that simple. Do you dress to please the eyes of the other people around you, the people you work with, the people that you come in contact with, that she dress in a way that would draw attention to herself and show others how great that she looks physically? Or do we dress ladies to please God? Do you want to truly look beautiful, drawing attention and showing off your body? You say, well, preacher, look, I don't have to draw you pictures and spell it out, but I will say this. If it's too low, it isn't modest. If it's too short, it isn't modest. If it's too tight, it isn't modest. If it's too visible, it isn't modest. It can't be. Anything that draws attention to your body is not modest. It can't be. That's the last thing God wants us to do. It's the world that's programmed us that way. We think that somehow men or women alike, that we've got to look a certain way, that we've got to draw attention to ourselves, that we've got to show them that we meet the world's standards for what they think is beauty. When really all it is is lust. The truth is, God is saying that this virtuous woman, this chaste heart, she's really got a chaste heart within it ought to be showing through in the way that she dresses. Not this one that is beautiful in the world's eyes. Not this one that's all made up, but there's absolutely nothing to it whatsoever. Adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. 
Shamefacedness. How many of you used that word last week? <laughs> what does it mean? Well, it's really the modesty in the, in, the, in the previous statement mixed with humility. You see, it carries with it this underlying idea of shame. In other words, it's having a sense of regard for others. It's a rejection of anything that is dishonorable to God. It implies that you feel grief over sin. You're ashamed of sin. You see, bottom line is that they're adorning themselves in modest apparel, but the shamefacedness goes to the attitude that's coming from within that goes along with the clothes that are being worn on the outside. The attitude of the heart will affect the way that we dress. You do not want to dress in a way that dishonors God, that pleases the world, but shows disregard for others. I was told a long time ago, and I believe this makes sense for men or women, either one of you this evening. If you have to ask the question of whether you really ought to wear that or not, whether it's too low, whether it's too short, whether it's too sheer, if you haven't asked yourself that question, chances are you shouldn't be wearing it. <laughs> because if it begins to put you in a question to where you have to wonder if it's right or not, it probably isn't. Sobriety. I mean, it's just what it says. It's speaking of soberness. It's talking about a, a soundness of mind. Sanity. The real underlying idea here is self-control. In context here being used with this other, he would be speaking of having a, a soundness of mind and self-control over what? Guess what? Over sexual passions, over those fleshly desires that the world calls love, <laughs> that the world makes the relationships between male and female that was never what God designed them to be. A godly, virtuous woman will hate sin, and she'll want to control her own passions and not lead anyone else into sin. You see, if you dress in a way that draws attention to your body, you might convince yourself that, well, you're just looking good, and they all like the way that you look, and it's not your fault if they look and think something that they shouldn't be thinking. Well, problem is... If you're wearing something that's drawing attention to your body and it leads somebody else into sin, even if it's only in their mind, you know, you're just as guilty in that sin as they are. As a matter of fact, even though you might say, well, I didn't actually do it. In fact, you might have more to answer for because you're not only sinning yourself in doing it, but you're responsible and have something to do with leading someone else into sin. This is what the Bible is talking about here. Adorning themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. He says, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Now listen, I know, and we ought to respect one another. I know that there are some that believe this passage right here means that Christians ought not to wear any jewelry whatsoever or anything like that. 
I believe he's saying that when you adorn yourself, when you put yourself in order, when you put yourself together, when you make yourself ready, you shouldn't be doing it in a way that's flashy and calling attention to yourself. It might be in your hairstyle. It might be in the jewelry that you're wearing. It might be in the expensive clothing that really is just trying to show off and show everybody else what you've got and they don't have. In Paul's day, when he was writing to young Timothy here, one of the things of the day, you know, we got all these things we call fashions and whatnot that come and go and change all the time. Well, one of the fashions of the day then apparently was actually the women would braid their hair, and as they would braid their hair, they would put this gold and pearls into their braided hair because when they walked around with their braided hair and all of this gold and stuff shining in it, it was flowing off just how well off that they were. That they were, you know, they, they had it to show off. And it was just a way, it was a style in their way that their pride came through of flaunting themselves. You see, he says here, you shouldn't be doing that, but he says, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. It's not just what you're wearing, but it's your actions, the things that you're doing. You see, so often the two go hand in hand. If you're not careful when you start dressing a little loose, you'll start acting a little loose as well. <laughs> oh, you know, it's just a little innocent flirting. <laughs> There's no such thing as innocent flirting. Just having a little fun. It's nice to have somebody pay a little of attention to me. Well, if you're professing godliness, God's saying you ought to be acting like it. <laughs> if you're claiming to be a Christian, to be godly, then it ought to be showing in the way that you're dressing, in the way that you're acting, your demeanor around others. You see, when you start innocently, so to speak, playing in some of these areas, you know the old saying, you're playing with fire, and eventually you're going to get burned. It'll burn you. God is giving us some advice. The problem is we live in a society when everything is contrary to God's advice. He's got a reading for this. He's not saying that you've got to look like an old maid. But he's saying you ought to be decent and you ought to be modest and you ought not to be wearing clothing that looks like you had to be poured into it that's showing off everything and every ripple and everything that is calling attention to your body. The world on one hand is saying if you got it, flaunt it. God's saying if you got it, cover it up. He's saying all that outward beauty and charm and all that, it's absolutely worthless. It's vanity. It'll bring you to nothing. You can look beautiful. You know, I like to see you ladies fix yourself up a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes it makes you even feel better. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with looking nice. But looking nice and looking sexy are two different things. The problem is we've had our minds and our lives bombarded so much with the world's ideas that the two are often so confused in our mind. I guess a simple question is, are you dressing for God or are you dressing for 
man or other people. Remember I said this morning, these same principles, this is being taught to a man here, these same principles apply to men and women. Is your desire to allow everyone to see God in you, in the way you dress and in the way you act? Or is it to let them see how much like them that you really are? That you're not so really different from them. Folks, being saved and being virtuous are two entirely different things. We're not talking about that you got to follow a set of rules and dress this way and do this way in order to be saved. But I'm saying if you're a saved child of God and if you've gotten to the point where we began this morning, if you've gotten to the point with the fear of God that you're beginning to live a godly and a holy life, then it's going to affect these things in your life. They're going to be the natural fruit of your life. And rather than offend you and put you off, you're going to say, I want to do that because I want to please God. And I want God to be pleased with my appearance. And I want God to be pleased with the way that I act. To be saved is not to necessarily be virtuous. But in order to be truly virtuous, you must be saved. You'll never do it without God. Without God in control of your life. That's why I said this morning, it's got to begin there. That's the root. All through the Word of God, not just the book of Proverbs, we're shown over and over and over again. People don't get saved in the first place because they have no fear of God. And people that get saved don't live godly, holy lives because they don't have the fear of God, the respect, the reverence, the awe for Him that they ought to have. He doesn't have the right position in their lives. There's too many other things that's interfering. You see, if you're saved, at least you've got a choice of whether to be virtuous or not. You can put up the sham just like everybody else. Your life not be effective and be able to be used for God like He would want to use you. God wants you to be praiseworthy. Not to go around trying to make a name for yourself, but to live in such a way in reaching others that God makes the name for you. Look with me in your Bibles and we're quickly coming to a close, I promise you. In First Peter Chapter 3, 1 Peter, chapter 3. Notice what he says, picking up in verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of planning of hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God 
adorn themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Husbands, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, there's an awful lot of things that could be taken from that passage, but in context with what we're looking at this evening, we have a situation here where this particular wife, this whole thing of her dress and her actions and what's coming through in the life that she's living is a direct relation into whether this lost husband is going to be saved or not. <laughs> we find that we've already seen in the virtuous woman the kind of relationship between the husband and the wife there, that relationship of absolute complete trust, of being conscious of what she can do to make his life better rather than what they can do to make it easier for her, the whole attitude, the whole thing. Now, this is Peter writing here, and he's placing the importance. You see, as we look at this virtuous woman, this one that is praiseworthy in God's eyes, we need to distinguish very, very, very clearly that there's a huge difference being praiseworthy in God's eyes, being praiseworthy in the world's eyes. Where do you want your praise to come through this evening? You see, said this morning that this message is for all of us. The root of her virtue is the fear of the Lord. And the only way that you'll ever have the fear of the Lord, you can't work it up, you can't make yourself have that fear, you can't make yourself know, is to get to know Him better, is to spend more time with Him, is to spend a lot of that time that's being wasted on the ungodly world thing, to spend with Him in His Word, in prayer. Those things are told to us over and over. The more you know Him, the better you know Him, the more you'll hold Him in awe, the more that you'll reverence Him, the more that you'll desire to please Him and to live according to what He wants in your life until you begin with that fear of the Lord. Because the reality of her virtue is found in her life, and the reality of your virtue will be found in your life. Yes, in the way you look, in the way you act, in your whole attitude to family, to those around you. But finally, I want you to see here the results of her virtue, the favor of the Lord. The results. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. She shall be praised. The Lord is saying. You see, she's receiving the praise of the Lord. The Lord says she'll be praised. We saw in verse 28 that she received the praise of her children. She earned that praise. She didn't try to, to make them. She didn't try to, to build herself up in front of them. She sacrificed and willingly worked her hands to bone and did the things that she did so that they just naturally 
held her in this high esteem. They naturally praised her. What a reward for a mom. The praise of her husband. I mean, this man, he doesn't think there's another woman on the face of the earth that could compare to his wife. That's the reward. That's the result of living a godly life, of living a virtuous life that's praiseworthy in God's eyes. Even the praise of her peers. In verse 30, there in the gates, she's going to reap what she has sown. Oh, we know that it shows us she'll gain materially. That's from her honest labors. But also from her family, from her neighbors. In the end, it's the fruit of her labors, of her virtue, that's going to give her the most praise. You see, somebody else didn't have to write her eulogy for her. She wrote it herself while she was living. The Bible asks us that simple question, and I return to it in closing. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. You know, we don't have nearly as many people here tonight as we had this morning, but I wonder here tonight, I wonder how many virtuous women that we could find in this congregation tonight. Because you see, in God's eyes, their value is far above the rubies, above the jewels, and they're worthy of His praise. Ladies, what kind of woman do you want to be? Are you truly living your life in the fear of the Lord? Or in the fear of what people will think? Is your desire to be pleasing and praiseworthy in the sight of God? Or to gain the favor and approval of the world around us? Men, what do you really want in your wife? If you have a godly wife, have you told her how valuable that she is to you? She's worthy of that praise. Young ladies that are here tonight, you heard the saying many times, what do you want to grow up to be? <laughs> what kind of woman do you want to grow up to be? What kind of woman do you want to be right now? Do you want to truly be a godly, virtuous woman that's going to be pleasing to God. You see, that's the kind of woman that's going to attract the kind of man that will put God first. The one that will put God first in his life and give you the honor that you deserve for being that kind of a woman. Young men, what kind of woman do you want for a wife? What kind of woman do you want to be the mother of your children? Are you looking for the kind of woman that will walk in the fear of the Lord and be pleasing and praiseworthy to Him? Is it the beauty that can only radiate from within that you're seeking? 
rather than a world pleaser. They can look good on the outside and put on all the charm, but is void and empty of any substance. There's some children here tonight. Have you offered your mother the praise that she's worthy of? Have you told her how truly grateful that you are to have a a mother that wants to walk with God and walk in the fear of the Lord and that's more interested in pleasing God and honoring Him than all of her own selfish desires? I wonder. You see, this, in all of this, the words that we've looked at in Proverbs chapter 31, they're the words that a godly mother gave to her son. The words that we looked at in Timothy, this is the words being given to a young man that's a preacher. We find that this message is not just for the ladies, but it's for all of us tonight. This Mother's Day, I say to you unashamedly, though I despise a lot of the commercialism that the world has done, I'm glad there's a day to honor mothers, wives, women, as God says they deserve. The women that are praiseworthy of God. And by the same token, you see, if you're here this evening and you are one of those virtuous women, then I don't think there's any greater way to honor you this evening than to remind you of what you mean to God above all others, what you mean to Him. And if you're here, if you're a lady this evening, if you're not walking in that fear, and if you're not living the life that we see being pictured here, then I don't think I can give you a greater present this Mother's Day than to say God says, this is what you can be. Don't let the world fool you. Don't let the world make you less than what you are. Don't let them take it away from you. You could be something special in the eyes of God, the creator of this world. You can mean something to Him, and you can be worthy and deserve the praise that is worth something, not the shallowness that can come from this world. Every one of you, if you've got Jesus Christ in your heart, if He lives there, if the Holy Spirit is present there, then yes, you can. If in your heart... You're not just wanting to go to heaven one day. But you want to live a life that pleases God now. And I say once again, men, young men, boys, children, you ought to thank God. If you've got a mother or a wife, we said this morning, you know, there's all kinds of things we could look at. But the truth is, this is a picture that God gives us. We ought to be grateful. We ought to be thanking God for it. And men, we ought to be honoring them in a way because they deserve it. Letting them know that we appreciate the kind of woman that they are when they're walking with the Lord. But if you're here this evening, I would be amiss if I didn't say this. There is absolutely no way, no hope whatsoever that you can please God will be worthy of His praise if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and heart. You've got to know that 
first of all and above all else. This service is coming to a close. I wonder this evening, this morning, this evening, has God spoken something to you? Are you going to just ignore it and walk back out those doors, the same person that came in? Or this evening, do you want to go to him? Because he's the one that will help you. You find that maybe there's some area that the Lord's shown you that you need to really give over to him in your life. Don't leave here without doing it this evening. Do it. Do it now. Don't let this world cheat you and rob you out of what you can be. Don't let them somehow convince you that what you could be that would please them would be any comparison to what you are when you please the Lord. Let's be an encouragement one to another. Let's make sure that we don't waste this Mother's Day in giving praise, not just to the moms, but to the wives, to the daughters, to those women who are willing to walk with God. May we thank God for them. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, Lord, as we've looked at this passage today, we see that, Lord, there's something there for all of us. And I just pray, Lord, I, I know in the feebleness of my efforts that I've surely failed miserably, but I pray that you would take something in these words that is your words, Lord, not mine, and that not by my power but by your Spirit that they might find a resting place. I pray, Lord, for those godly women that are present with us here this evening, may they be encouraged. And yes, they need to continue walking with you and that it is worth it. And it's worth far more to live a life that's pleasing to you than one that's pleasing to this world. And Father, if there are those here, young or old, that there's some area of their life that doesn't really fit in like it ought to be, I pray that right now you'd help them, Lord, to give that to you. Help them to leave here this evening with the strength that can only come from you, that that area of their life might be changed. That you might be able to make them into the, the special being that you want them to be, not what the world wants to make them to be. Father, you know the need of each heart. I pray that those needs would be met by your power, by your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. 